We want to read our scripture texts today. The, our main text, we've been making our way around, jumping around in Jeremiah, sort of going backwards here, 30, chapter 32 last week, chapter 31 this week, chapter 29 next week. But this is a crucial text, good one to read on Easter. It's about the new covenant. <clears throat> so we'll be reading from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 40. Listen here to God's word. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then the offspring of Israel also will cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out below, then I will also cast off all the offspring of Israel for all they have done, declares the Lord. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when the city will be rebuilt for the Lord from the tower of Hananel to the corner gate. The measuring line will go out farther straight ahead to the hill Gareb, then it will turn to Goa. And the whole city, though the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes and all the fields, as far as the brook, as the brook Kidron to the corner of the horse gate toward the east shall be holy to the Lord. It will not be plucked up or overthrown anymore forever. Amen. And then our gospel reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. We'll read the first 23 verses. Again, listen here to God's Word. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, 
because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Amen. And then our epistle reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. We'll read verses 1 through 13. This is just the gospel laid out as clear and straight as you'll find anywhere. Again, listen here to God's word. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, Ah, Lord, how do we give thanks to you enough for your goodness to us, for the things you stir within our hearts and minds. Lord, we love you. 
want to be yours and serve you faithfully all our days. So come now, even as in the rest of the service, so here, even in the preaching of the word, may you have your way, may your will be done, may we receive blessing from you. We ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. God speaks in the midst of storms. It was a dark and stormy time when Jeremiah prophesied chapter 31, what we call chapter 31. Almost a decade previously, Jerusalem had been captured by the Babylonians and 10,000 plus people exiled, gone. But they let Jerusalem stand, let the people stay there, they put in a new king. And yet now, when Jeremiah prophesies chapter 31, Jerusalem is besieged by the Babylonians again. They ring the city, they've destroyed the countryside, siege ramps are being built, and within a year, Jerusalem will be sacked, razed, temple torn down. Jeremiah, who had been prophesying these very things for almost 30 years, who most understood to be a prophet of doom, all of a sudden has a series of messages and prophecies from the Lord that are hope about a new covenant, he calls it here. We want to look at that a little bit today and see what we can learn from that and what we can take from that. First point is this, judgment is real. The people who lived in Jerusalem at the time that Jeremiah prophesied knew the reality of judgment and knew it was coming again, and they knew that they deserved it. They had been engaged in idol worship, both I-D-O-L and I-D-L-E, <laughs> idol worship. The, na the nation's gods, they'd taken them in. They had corrupted ethical life. Their standards of living were horrible. They oppressed the poor. They had presumed on God's grace. They assumed that His compassion would trump everything, all else. And they had had tough times before, but never desolation. Never when Jerusalem was ruined and all was gone. Jeremiah, in the midst of all this, speaks of a new covenant. And we need to notice a couple of things about this. He does not speak about a new law, not a new set of ethics, but a new covenant. When we say Jeremiah, you understand we mean God, right? The Holy Spirit speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. So if I say Jeremiah, understand what lies behind that. And what's the new thing God says he's going to do? He's going to take this law and write it on their hearts. And he will be their God, and they will be his people. That's a wonderful promise. Beyond that, there's a restoration that's promised. Beyond this present judgment where Jerusalem is going to be sacked, it's going to be in ruins, it's going to be devastated. Beyond that, it's going to be rebuilt. He says it here. We know that that happened during the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. 
God kept his word. In fact, he tied it to the order of creation. He says, if, if the, look at the sun, the moon, the stars, all these things here, those, my words like that, it does not change. But what about verse 40? The last verse that we read of Jeremiah, the last part of that verse. Speaking of Jerusalem, which John just sang about, it says, it will not be plucked up or overthrown anymore forever. That's a pretty categorical statement, right? It will not be plucked up or overthrown anymore forever. Well, that's a difficult word to hear in the light of A.D. 70, when Jerusalem was sacked by the Romans. Temple was destroyed, has never been rebuilt. What happened to that new covenant that God spoke about through Jeremiah? If Jerusalem is gone, Jerusalem is down. Well, you know, Jeremiah 31, 31 is the only place in the Old Testament where the term new covenant is used. Uh, the concept is in lots of other places, from Isaiah to Ezekiel to the Psalms to all over the, the whole, all the pages, so to speak. But only there in Jeremiah 31, 31 is the term new covenant used at all. Chronologically, the next time new covenant is used mentioned in the Bible, is Jesus at the Last Supper. He says, as he takes the cup, this cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, poured out for you. Paul repeats that in 1 Corinthians 11 when he says, here's what the institution of the Lord's Supper is about, here's how it's done. He says, this is what we all do. And it wasn't just sort of a mash or hash of how we do. Here's what we do. Here's, we base it on these words of institution. Here's what we do. And we'll hear those same words in just a little bit when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And what Jesus was saying, he says, I am the fulfillment of the new covenant. I'm the one who does that. He's the one through whom hearts are made new. He declares in no uncertain terms, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood. Ephesians 2.5 talks about it. We read it. When we were dead in our transgression, he made us alive together with Christ. Right? When we were dead in our transgression, he made us alive together with Christ. But Jesus created a storm. As it says in Psalm 50, it was tempestuous all around him, <laughs> wherever he was. His own people had a difficult time receiving him. The Gospels and the New Testament are all about this, of how Jesus and the Gospel created tempests and ultimately was rejected. Is Jesus really the Christ, the Son of God, the New Covenant? By and large, the Jewish people and nation said, no, he's not. And that rejection of the new covenant resulted in judgment again, AD 70, as we talked about a generation later. We celebrate Palm Sunday, we celebrate Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter. Why? 
because we affirm that Jesus is, in fact, the new covenant. It's grounded in history. It's not a myth. It's not storytelling. It's not Aesop's fables. It's none of those things. These are events that happened. They happened by God's goodwill, by God's planning, and by God's purpose to accomplish God's will. John 20, which we read, is a classic text of that. Mary Magdalene and the disciples are utterly, utterly undone by Jesus' crucifixion and burial. Everything they thought, everything they hoped, everything they'd experienced was kiboshed. But God did something. Those women came early to the tomb looking for a body to anoint it with spices. The Sabbath had ended the previous night at sundown. So once sundown was there, they went out and bought the spices. Now early in the morning, while it was still dark, they're going to come and anoint Jesus' body with these spices. But the body was not there. The physical body of Jesus was gone. They thought it had been stolen. They didn't know what to make of this. And then Mary heard a voice say, Mary. It was the voice of the Lord Jesus. She recognized it. And it was this man whom she hadn't recognized before. It's the Lord Jesus himself. And he affirms to her that, yes, it's me. Go tell my brethren. And she runs, says, I have seen the Lord. That's the Easter message. Stormy times. It's impossible. What can happen? I have seen the Lord. He's master of this. He knows what's going on. The disciples, are, they don't believe her. Later that evening they're gathered and Jesus comes into their midst. He says, peace be to you. And the risen Christ, the risen Lord Jesus, gives them the Holy Spirit, anoints them, fills them with the Spirit, and says, go. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Go and talk about the new covenant fulfilled in Christ. Well, within a generation, Jerusalem was in ruins. As we said, A.D. 70. This happened A.D. 33, A.D. 70. Jerusalem is in ruins. But the people of God were flourishing, Jew and Gentile. Ephesians 2, 10 through 13 that we read this morning. Jew and Gentile are in the covenant together. The same covenant that stretches from Genesis 3, 15 all the way through to the end. They're in it. They're in the covenant together. A new thing. Now, there's no one in the world, no nation or no person, no language, who can say that we're without God and without hope in the world. Because it's been opened up. The Lord Jesus can remake anyone. He remade Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. So there's no one upon whom we should look or meet 
including the person in the mirror, who we think is beyond the reach of the resurrected Christ to change their life. No one need be without hope. No one need to be without God. So the new covenant is ratified and fulfilled in Jesus Christ, but it's not yet been consummated. We still have storms in the world. We have storms in the nation. We have storms in our lives. All is not peace. All is not peaceful. We have a text on the wall out there. As we go into the fellowship hall, it says, Here, here, we have no lasting city, but we're looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. That's the heavenly Jerusalem of which John sang just a while ago. That is the new covenant consummated that God spoke through Jeremiah. It's been fulfilled. We can enter it, but it's consummated in heaven. New Jerusalem comes down. We're looking for that city, for it will not be plucked up or overthrown anymore forever at all. And if you're part of that city now, that's true for your life. They may kill you, they may defame you, they may honor you, do all kinds of things, but they cannot take away what God has made new and written in your heart and in your life. We have tasted of the living waters and know there will be a consummation. We've had a down payment, but we know the principle's coming soon, right? We rejoice in what the Lord's done, and we long for all of what He shall do. Amen.